You are listening to the More Prayer Podcast, a Prayer PDX initiative. Prayer PDX is a movement based in Portland, Oregon that seeks to resource, equip, and engage the church in united, sustained prayer for spiritual awakening. In this first series, we're introducing you to members of the team and providing some tools to aid the pursuit of prayer. You can find out more at prayerpdx.org or by following Prayer PDX on your social media platforms. Welcome to our first episode of the More Prayer podcast. More Prayer is a movement in Portland that seeks to resource, equip, and engage the church in prayer. And launching this podcast is one of the ways that we plan to resource churches to think about prayer. So over this season, we'll be interviewing a number of leaders who've spent a significant amount of time mobilizing and equipping others to engage in prayer. So we're going to be interviewing people who are fruitful in prayer ministry, We will interview pastors about what prayer looks like in their churches. Um, And along the way, we'll be discussing a lot of prayer tools, traditions, some of the history of the church in Portland. Um, And right now, we're going to be emphasizing interviewing the more prayer team leaders um, as they lead the, the city forward in the area of prayer. So I have with me today, Renee Boucher, who um, is a dear friend who's been leading prayer at Mission and Justice Initiatives in Portland for the last 30 plus years. Uh, she began here at the age of 22 when she launched a ministry to homeless youth. So her leadership in the area of prayer was forged in the streets of Portland. Um, she founded the Portland International House of Prayer, and she's been instrumental in planting churches and training leaders around the city. Uh, She currently serves on the national leadership team of 24-7 Prayer USA and is one of the key leaders of the More Prayer team. So Renee, it is exciting to launch this podcast with you. Yeah, thanks, Scotty. I'm excited to be here and to see what comes out of all of this. Yeah, Um, I have a lot of questions that I want to ask you, but before we go there, I have a couple of things I just want to share about you. That was the formal introduction, so the personal introduction. You know, it's been just a gift getting to know you over the last, it's only been about a year now, but it feels like we've been walking on a, a bigger journey than that. But it's, it's been really a blessing to get to know you. But there are a few things that, that just really stand out about who you are that I want to share with everyone so they know a little bit more about you. Um, I described you to someone else recently as a force. <laughs> and I feel like you kind of walk through the world and just sweep people up in your wake. So you have this incredible ability to befriend and love everyone that you come in contact with. And it's been amazing to watch you just sweeping people, including me, up in the work that God has you doing. Um, the second thing is you have this incredible gift of seeing into people. Um, it's one of the ways God works very uniquely with you. And I love, I've regularly seen you speak words of encouragement over people. And then I watch them, I watch their face as the words you speak connect so deeply with what is going on inside of them that I see them leave the room walking taller than they did when they entered. And it's just such a beautiful thing to watch you express. Um, And then the last thing is, I think this is so unique in in my experience anyway. You are uh, someone who hears God so clearly Um, And you walk into meetings and into situations with such a clear image in mind of what God wants to do. 
but you so humbly hold those things open as a way of um, trusting the people around about you to play a role in shaping and helping you discern what it is that God wants to say. And so it's just been, it's probably my favorite thing that I watch in you is your confidence in hearing from God and laying out the path that he wants people to walk, then holding it open and inviting other people to shape that. And I don't think I've seen that in anyone else. And I look at that and I go, that I want to learn how to lead like that and learning a lot of that from you. So I just want to say thank you for those things. Thank you for sweeping me up. Thank you for speaking encouragement into me. And thank you for modeling what it looks like to humbly follow God's leading. Mm, wow. Wow. Thank you. Well, I feel like we could just be done now. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Time over. All good. We can go. <laughs> so that, that's just my way of helping share with other people who you are and orient them to, to why you're in the role that you're in and, and why you impact people the way that you do. So I'm going to ask you some questions that are really about the more prayer team and, and why it exists. But before we go there, I have a couple of personal questions um, just to further orient people to you and your history and your heart. So let's start with question number one, which is why, when and how did prayer become important to you? Oh, yeah, that's, that's a great question. I, um, you know, when I first came to know the Lord in high school, I didn't really have a community of, of people around me. I came to know the Lord in more of an unconventional um, manner. A friend of mine was doing a book report on exorcisms and we decided to visit a charismatic Catholic priest and well, the rest was history. So, uh, so I was so intrigued by the things this um, man shared uh, with us that I just really began seeking um, God. I uh, took the word, you know, scripture at face value I just read the Bible and I believed what it said. And I figured that, um, you know, if I was supposed to have a relationship with Jesus, then I should talk to him and I should listen to him. Hmm. And so I, I just started doing that. I didn't really have any discipleship. I didn't have anyone teaching me, um, but I learned how to listen to the Holy Spirit um, just in in those times of reading scripture and, and trying to find my way through what this thing called prayer was. When I got to college, then uh, I got involved with a couple of campus ministries and a church uh, that, that did some really great teaching and, and discipleship. And, and I learned so much more about prayer um, there. It was this odd professor who I was going to this little Bible study with, and uh, he, he gave me a book called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. And it was um, so simple, but, but so profound. Um, just the idea of being able to carry uh, Jesus with us in everything that we did, that our every action, uh, you know, that we didn't have to take time away and just sit still and close our eyes and bow our head and fold our hands, you know, to be in conversation with the Lord, but that everything that we did, you know, that, that he was present with us. And it was so much of what I had been experiencing just, or trying to experience on my own, that it, it, it just really helped shape my understanding of prayer, of this idea of continuous prayer, of nonstop prayer, 
of always um, being in that place with Jesus. Um, so that was really helpful. Another book that uh, was introduced to me around that same time was uh, the book, just it's called Prayer by this guy named O. Housby. And O. Housby compares uh, prayer to breathing. Um, mm. And he, he says, prayer is the breath of the soul. And I just think that's so beautiful, you know, again, that it's like we can't live without breath, right? And so how do we live in this spiritual context of, of what we call, you know, our faith if, if we're not in prayer? And prayer, again, it's not, we don't take time away and like sit down somewhere and think, okay, now I have to breathe. I'm going to breathe for an hour and then I'll be okay for the rest of the day. <laughs> you know, like, like it's something that is, it's continuous and something that at times we don't even recognize that we're doing. And so I'll, I'll go throughout the day. And as I get older, sometimes I have to stop and think, did I just say that out loud? You know, because I'm like in this just continual conversation um, with the Lord. And I'm kind of afraid when I'm 80 years old, I'll be walking down the street, you know, and just talking, to, <laughs> talking, look like one of those little crazy people just talking to themselves all the time. But, um, but I think those, those two books were very influential uh, in my, you know, younger years, um, as I was just trying to grapple with my faith and figure out who I am in Christ and, and who he is to me and, and how I live, um, all that I'm learning out and how I stay in com communication with him. And then as time went on, I, I started learning, you know, there's so many facets of prayer. Sometimes I, I'm asked to teach on prayer and I, I start talking about one thing and I think, oh, but I want to teach about this and this. And, you know, there's so many different aspects of prayer that, that we can talk about that I really feel like I'm still on this journey of learning, that it's a lifelong process, that, that we don't ever just kind of arrive at, in our knowledge. But, um, yeah, there, there's just a lot of different parts and, and facets to it. Um, so I could talk about lots of different um, experiences throughout the years, but I think those were my foundational pieces of just learning how to be in the presence of God and that, that idea that prayer is, is like breathing, that it's something that is required continuously for our faith to stay alive. Yeah, that's great. That's powerful. Those are uh, certainly books I've encountered and been impacted by as well. So those are good resources for anyone listening that hasn't read them. Prayer by O. Halsby and Brother Lawrence's Practice in the Presence of God. Um, so moving on a little bit from there, what have been some of the most helpful rhythms of prayer that you engage in your life? Mm. Well, I think one is is um, just kind of going off of that that idea of praying without ceasing and, and, you know, just the continual relationship uh, with the Lord um, and conversation of both speaking and listening. For me, one of my favorite practices is just walking as I, um, and as I walk, I pray. So every day I walk in my neighborhood for at least an hour. Um, some people will be listening to this podcast, understanding the global pandemic that we've been in and uh, how during this time prayer walking 
uh, or walking as I pray um, has been even more grounding and important to me than ever before. Mm. Um, I've been walking sometimes two or three hours a day just because I feel like I, I need that concentrated time where, um, you know, I just, um, I can just listen really more than anything else. Sometimes I just have to let all my thoughts go for the first hour and just, you know, scrambling in a million different directions. But I know that I have to get to that place of listening and just really being able to, to hear from the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm more interested in being shaped by, um, by who God is and, and what his desires and his plans are to become you know, more conformed into his image during those times of prayer and to hear his heart so that my heart can be shaped by his heart than I am in just listing out a bunch of requests. So sometimes to get past all the anxiety that life brings, I have to, you know, just get all my stuff out at the front end. <laughs> but then I just really need that time to, to slow down and, and to listen and to know that, that he's here, that he's present, and then just to, to see if um, there are things that he wants to speak to me in that time as well. Another practice that I really love is um, just praying scripture. So I find that um, when, again, just when I'm left to myself, I can go in so many different directions, but um, to come into a place of agreement with God in prayer I feel like the scripture is a perfect springboard or a guide uh, for that. There's so much truth and promise. There's beauty, there's joy, there's sorrow, there's lament. You know, all of these are found in scripture. And we can stand on these and share in these prayers, um, putting them into the context of our own life, um, knowing that um, there's a promise in them. You know, there's something that was, important enough for these uh, prayers to be put, you know, the actual prayers that are in, in scripture to be put in there for us to read, to be a model um, for our faith and for how we, we connect and, and relate to God that um, I think that it just really helps to stand on those and, and to know that, again, that I'm coming into agreement um, not just according to something that that I think might be good, but something that is actually part of the plan and the purpose and the promise of God himself. That's awesome. And I, I know I've heard you say and call our team and others back many times to just the unifying mm -hmm. nature of praying scripture. I mean, that foundation that we get to stand on together yeah. that becomes that corporate springboard. It's such a, yeah, such a beautiful thing for us to remember. Um, as we're trying to walk in unity. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that you talk about that I think can be really impactful, especially in this sort of transient and, and globalized age, um, you hold a really strong conviction about the importance of being committed to a geographical location. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me a little bit about that and what that means? Sure. Um, I'm going to back up a little bit behind that idea and just um, talk about this idea. I think early on, I, I took heart to heart the idea that um, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. 
that he only spoke what he heard the father speaking. And there was this divine partnership that even as he was walking on the earth, it was not just that Jesus went away to a quiet place in the morning to pray, but that he could still hear the father in the storm and in the crowd mm. and in the times when there was not enough food for everybody or when he was grieving at the loss of a friend, even though he knew that, that this friend could be raised from the dead. And even in the time when he had come to that place of, of making the greatest sacrifice of all, he, Jesus embraced each moment because he understood that the result of fo following the father closely um, was bigger than, than any of the momentary troubles, you know, as Paul would say, that, that these things were achieving a far greater purpose and a glory that would come. And Revelation says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, that the testimony of Jesus is all that his life encompassed. But really, I believe it was wrapped up in this idea that, that he did what he saw the Father doing, what the Father showed him. There was that um, divine partnership. And so I have always um, sought to be led by the Holy Spirit in, in this kind of way that, you know, if, if there's this partnership that God wants to have with his people, he doesn't just do things on the earth without that partnership. Um, then I need to know what the longings of his heart are. I need to understand the purposes in a place or the, the plans for a people. And so when I think of this question about being committed to a geographical location, I, I think of this, I, of this idea of, of what is it that I see the Father doing in a place, and how is it that I can partner with him? In Acts, Paul, in Acts 17, you know, Paul spoke to Athens, the people of Athens. Um, he was talking about the, the statue to the unknown God, you know, and he said, he told them about this God, the very one that they were seeking after. He said, you know, there's one who made the heavens and the earth and, and he is the one that set every nation in the earth, making out their appointed time and setting boundaries for their land. That there's a specific purpose to that, that there's a plan to that. And that, that plan is simply that, that the nation, that the people, that the city, that that those who dwell in a geographical location would seek after God and reach out to him and find him. And so um, some people who know me well would say that uh, I'm, they, they say I'm married to the land in Portland. <laughs> and so that sounds kind of, kind of odd or a little out there, but there are actually several other scriptures where God talks about sowing us his bride into the earth and that in doing so that the nations will come to know him so there's something interesting about that about those two things together that that he appointed each place and group of people to be set in a specific place in time but also in a particular geographical region so that they would know god and then he sows us, his church, his bride, into the earth in a particular place and geographical location 
so that the nations will come to know God. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so again, it's, it's this divine partnership and it's matching the longing of his own heart, of his desire. And so when we become committed to the land, it's um, probably the best term I have to, to describe this aspect of and how it connects to my prayer life is, is the word intercession. Because the, the definition of intercession is to stand between two parties until peace is made. So mm. it's not even really about, it's, it's not even so much about our words or the things that we say, but it's a position that we take. It's a posture that we have. Mm. It's a standing in a place and being willing to, to stay there and not be moved until we see the promises of God come to pass. And so for me, being committed to Portland, you know, I, I travel all over um, the world, really. You know, I, I've been to many cities and many nations and, and have helped um, do prayer all, all over. But I know that God has planted me here in this region, that he has rooted me and established me um, to be able to stand in this place and the posture of my heart and the position that I take is to say, I am not going to be moved. I'm going to stay in this place, sown into the land by God himself until I see his purposes and his plans come to, come to pass, until I see the nations come to know him, until I see the people of the Portland region come to know him, until I see the shalom of God, which which allows for the flourishing of all people and, and the justice of God um, to bring all things back into alignment to make the wrong things right, for things to be the way that he originally intended in this place. I'm not gonna stop standing here until I see those things come to pass. So Walter, Walter Wink has a great, uh, I think it's Walter Wink, says um, history belongs to the intercessors who mm. believe the future into being. And I think it's that, that place of standing that it's, we believe the future into being because we're able to look and see what is the father doing and what is he longing to do? And we enter into partnership with him to see that come, come about. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. And I think that's a huge, a huge challenge to, especially I would say my generation and under is we're, we're way more fluid as a generation. And I think what I see a lot is you have one church over in this part of town doing their own thing. They have a vision for what they believe God wants to do um, in Portland. Um, and it's so easy to do that independent of the move of God across the city where you've got people like you who have been here for 30 years and you're standing on the shoulders of people who were there before you and yeah. um, who have been discerning what God wants to do. You also have people, again, like me, I'm a transplant to Portland from Scotland. You've got people that move into the city. They have a heart to do ministry. They have a heart to plant a church. It's so easy to do it separate to the move of God and the community of God that's here in Portland. Um, and it's one of the things that's unique about this city is the, the pastors working together 
um, and, and crafting a shared understanding of what God is doing here and working in partnership together. Mm-hmm. So I think that call um, to commit to the land um, is, is in part everything you've said, but, but part of that also is that willingness to submit to the other shepherds in the city that, that are also discerning what God wants to do and working together to achieve what he wants to do here. So I think that's a great call um, for all of his listening. Um, to evaluate the level of commitment we have to the place where God has called us to. Yeah. So, thank you so much. For I that. think, yeah, if I could just add, I think, I think the other part of that, you know, when we talk about a corporate movement and, and unity in a city and, and being able to partner with what the Lord is doing, um, you know, I have a friend who I've, I've said this many times, I'm, I'm sure that you've heard me say this, um, but I have a friend who always says, you know, we can make God, we can make great plans and ask God to bless them, or we can ask God for the plans, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and so I think of that when I think about, you know, this idea of partnership with the father and looking to see what it is the father is doing, that even when we seek unity, sometimes we just are trying to convince one another of the great plans that we think we should do or, you know, the ideas that we have. But when we can ask God together and seek, you know, put Jesus at the center of it and and try to look and discern together with what he is actually doing, um, then we begin to hear together and we begin to be led together. And I think that's where true unity is found Mm. um, and where we can actually still have our differences and our diversity, but we can move forward together to see the kingdom of God established where we live because we've taken the time to, to say, not, not do, not, what do I want you to convince? What do I want to convince you to do with me? But let's look together and see what is the father doing right now? And let's enter into that together. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So, I mean, right there, we're right a perfect segue to, you know, what is the more prayer team? What is this and why is it here? Yeah. So that also is a great question. I am getting asked that more and more. So, um, <laughs> but the more, the more prayer team is, uh, for lack of better word or phraseology, I guess it's, it's just an arm of the city gospel movement. So, uh, I know in another podcast um, episode, uh, we'll share more about what the city gospel movement is. But this, in just briefly, the city gospel movement is a network of, of leaders around the city who are seeking the good of the city together. Um, and so the more prayer team is the prayer arm of that. Um, we're serving the city gospel movement. We're serving churches in the city, in the region. We're seeking unity in the city that Psalm 133, um, you know, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity and it goes on and it is descriptive. But at, at the end, it, it says this kind of unity. It's when this is in place, the Lord will command a blessing life evermore. And I don't know, you know, you're more of a biblical scholar than I am. So maybe you know of another place where the Lord actually commands a blessing. Mm. But I think that is, it's a, 
it's unique to that scripture in the context of unity, there is a blessing of life. And that, that ties back into the idea of shalom as well. We could probably spend eight weeks on, on the idea of shalom. But um, we're longing to see um, transformation in our city. Um, together, we want to see it um, in a way of, of many of the things that we've been talking about already. Like how, how do we see the plan of God established? How do we really see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so we've set out just to um, resource equip and engage the church in United Sustained Prayer um, for the greater Portland area. Uh, we focus our prayers a lot on um, the idea of spiritual awakening. And I think we're learning that that even in itself doesn't always mean what we we think that it means, or it's going to come in ways that maybe we, we didn't expect. I think all that we've been seeing with, uh, you know, since George Floyd uh, was killed and, and the rising of um, really what I, I would say is, is a civil rights movement for our day, um, you know, this is a, an awakening of justice, I believe, that has come to our nation and awakening of the need for justice and awakening to um, some systemic issues that we hadn't all kind of identified um, previously or, or up until now. And, and I know many people have been working on, on um, issues of injustice for a long time, but the way that, that um, we saw uh, many people just, you know, I can't, I can't put any other word to it except to say that it feels like all of a sudden, you know, eyes were opened and, and people woke up to, to a need that was not seen before. So I think that, that spiritual awakening can, can come in many different forms and that it will come in many different forms because there's layer upon layer of, of need if we want to see true transformation happen um, in a city. And so we, we just are looking for how to help establish different rhythms of prayer for um, individuals, churches, um, and for the city uh, as well. So how can we, how can we seek this um, in our own personal life, in our families, in our neighborhoods? How can we seek this in our churches together as a local body, as a community? And then how can we seek this corporately um, as a city, this idea of transformation and spiritual awakening and Jesus's kingdom coming to earth as it is on heaven, in heaven. You've said a lot kind of implicitly through everything that you've shared so far. So I, I want to ask this question just to draw out, I guess, a, a really clear and explicit answer. <laughs> How does prayer change things? So what we have this more prayer team under the city gospel movement. What, why? Why do we do that? What, how does it work? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, that's the great mystery, right? Scott? <laughs> <laughs> how does prayer work? You know, I, I don't know. I guess I, I, um, 
I just feel like it ties back into so many things that that we've already kind of talked about it in many ways, you know, that when we, um, prayer lays a foundation for so many things. Prayer lays a foundation for our own inner transformation, you know, our own um, change to take place for us to be able to be conformed more into his image day by day, you know. It allows us to um, hear together corporately from the Lord to begin to understand what, what his desires are, what his plans and his purposes for a place are. But it also allows our, our heart to begin to be broken for the things that break his heart. Prayer lays a foundation for us to... Um, to begin to, to find um, creative ways of engagement or change um, or for change or action that will lead us into um, being the ones that, that become, you know, it's, it's almost like we, uh, we, we pray the prayer and then we become the answer to the prayer, mm-hmm. you know, as God leads us out. Um, and so as we, gain that, that understanding as we take on his heart, as we're moved by compassion, as we're compelled by the spirit, then we go places that maybe we wouldn't have gone before. We enter into conversations in a way that maybe we wouldn't have entered them before. We begin to be able to speak the things that we're hearing from him in a way that encourages someone's heart. So they walk out the door taller than they, they hmm. did before. You know, um, all, all of these things, I think it's, it's foundational. It, it's like laying the foundation of the rebuilding of a city. I think that's really what prayer is. It's, it's laying the foundations. Um, and it's, you know, there's, there's this place too, you know, that, that I think is true that when we ask God of things that he moves um, in a different timing and in a different way, you know, that he, he says, um, I'd have to look up the, the reference, but I know there, there's a scripture that says he uh, waits, he longs to be gracious to us, but he waits to hear the cries of his people. Hmm. And I think that's, it's so interesting, isn't it? That he longs to be gracious, but he's just waiting for us to, to say, Lord, we, we want your graciousness. <laughs> like we want you to do this thing, you know? And um, he, he's a good, you know, he's, he's a good God, but he's not going to move in the earth without, without us. Like he he put us in this place that, that we would be the vessels through which he moves. And um, if, we're, if we're moving and doing things in the name of Christ, but we're not in that place of connection and relationship through prayer, then I don't know how it's Christ really moving through us. You know, so... So prayer has to be the door, it's the gate, it's the, the opening to the Holy Spirit 
being able to be poured in us and through us um, into the earth to be able to actually see those things come to pass that are needed. Amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, as I asked that question, part of my thought process in all of it is, you know, we've got pastors sitting in Portland and beyond who are looking at their churches and trying to think how to bring them deeper. They're looking at the issues round about in the world and they're trying to think, how do we bring change? And um, they may even be looking at their own uh, lack of passion for ministry in the season. And I think what you just uh, gave vision to there is the place that prayer plays in transforming everything from our heart to our church to the world around about us. And I think that's a, if anyone's struggling with trying to figure out if they need to engage in more prayer in their life and in their church, I think you just sold it to us um, and sold it to us right there. So final, final question for today. Um, why have you given so much of your time to shepherding prayer in Portland? And if this just reiterates everything, feel free. But I, I want to know what, what's going on in you? Why have you given so much time to this? Yeah, that's, um, you know, I, I think a lot of it is, is the things that we've talked about. But, <clears throat> you know, my experience that led me here, I think probably um, the biggest, just to personalize, just to personalize it a little bit, you know, I, I spent um, years on the streets of Portland working with um, kids, homeless, homeless youth, houseless youth, and kids that were, um, I mean, just in, in really challenging situations, you know, sometimes 12, 13 years old, um, living on the streets because home was not safe and the city didn't have a place to put them, you know, um, and, Things, things are a little bit different now, but, but back when I was working with street kids, there just really weren't a lot of, of services, um, social services for them. And, and so there was a lot of need. And we, um, we did a lot, you know, we walked with these mm -hmm. kids through, through so many things and we had good programs in place and, and we were meeting needs, but I felt like there was, um, there were things that were holding them and kind of, you know, keeping them in, I guess what we would say, keeping them in spiritual bondage, you know, like there was just this great warfare over their lives. And it was difficult for, um, I think sometimes it's, it's hard for the, the mainstream church to, know exactly how to um, embrace uh, a whole population of people that that are very different than than what we're used to you know so so it, it was challenging even to find churches where um, the kids were welcomed in I mean that that it's it's sad to say it's kind of an indictment on on the American church but it was very um, yeah, so, and it, it was hard to, for them to have a place that um, felt safe um, for them to explore the idea of spirituality. Uh, we want to put, um, we want to, we want to put so much of, I guess, the law onto people, 
You know, we want to see people clean up their act or live a certain way before we embrace them just who, as who they are in all of their humanity and, and in the difficult situations that they're going through. And so this, um, journey working with the street kids, um, it, it opened my eyes to a lot of things, but the thing that we found was the most effective was, um, prayer. And we saw so many things change when we prayed, um, not just with the kids or not even just for the kids, but when we began to pray for the city. So when I, when I, I was telling someone this the other day, um, at the time when I was doing uh, work with, with homeless youth, it was like the hot topic of justice. So everyone wanted to come down and volunteer with street kids just to say that they did it. And so I would, I, uh, would tell them, you know, I would interview people to volunteer and I'd tell them all the worst stories, you know, and if they still, if they still wanted to come down, then, you know, then I'd, I'd let them come down, but I wanted to make sure their heart was really in it and that they understood, you know, the chat, it was challenging sometimes. And, um, but then the other, the other part was that I required that, um, for every hour, that someone spent volunteering in our drop-in center or doing outreach on the streets or whatever, that they would spend that same amount of time in corporate prayer with us, either in our prayer meetings um, at our building or out on the streets doing prayer walks. So we did a lot of prayer. We spent a lot of prayer, a lot of time doing prayer because we were working with the kids probably 40 to 60 hours a week. So we were in prayer, you know, um, that much time as well. And, and so we weren't just praying with the kids. We weren't just praying for the kids, but we were praying for the city and we were praying for the church, you know, the, um, the prayers in scripture, probably over 90% of the prayers in that are actually written in the new Testament are prayers for the church. And I think that it's that way because, you know, Jesus knew, and I think the disciples knew that if we could pray for the, for the believers to um, walk the way that, that, um, that really reflects who God is and who Jesus is, and if we could display that love and the grace and the mercy um, that is poured out um, to the world, if, if we could see the church rise into her identity in that in that pure sense then then the cities would be transformed the world would be transformed right people would come to know jesus and so we spent a lot of our time just really praying for the church to understand who she is and to be able to love in a way that is representative of the love that God has for all people. And that um, we prayed for the city, you know, what would it take to see true transformation so that one day there wouldn't be kids living on the streets because the Lord sets the lonely in families, you know, and, and he takes care of the poor and, and he, um, takes care of the oppressed. He changes systems, you know, so that all people can live and, 
and flourish in a way that that is good and that brings hope and and that realigns um, things into uh, kingdom values and kingdom purposes and and so you know you started out this podcast saying you know that that much of my understanding of prayer was forged on the streets of Portland um, and and it was and I think it it became to me the most important thing that if I, I came to a place of understanding that if we could see prayer um, happening 24 hours a day, like night and that kind of night and day prayer, like um, that is talked about in, um, well, Isaiah 62, or, um, you know, I've set watchmen on the walls and they will not hold their peace, you know, day and night. Um, or in Luke 18, the persistent widow, you know, who, who is crying out for justice. And, and then Jesus says, you know, how much more will my father who's good, you know, not give to you? He'll, he'll bring justice to the earth quickly if you cry out night and day, you know, but he says, even that scripture, I love that scripture in Luke. I love the very end of that parable because he says, even so, will the son of man find faith? Will, he, will yeah. he find faith, you know, when he returns to the earth or something like that, you know, will he find faith? Like, are you going to do it? Like, are you going to believe, are you going to be willing to set yourself in that place? Like the intercession that we talked about, like, are you willing to stand and not let go of this seeking of this watching of this knocking of this requesting of this, you know, asking for justice um, or peace or shalom or mercy or grace or for the revealing of the sons of God, you know, the church to come into the fullness of who she is, you know, like, are you willing to, to take this position night and day, like continually, will you do this, you know, regardless of when you see the promises come, of if it comes quickly or if it doesn't come quickly, like, are you willing to stand in this place? so I felt that challenge, you know, to, um, from the Lord, like if, like there needs to be someone that can, can run into that space and, and, you know, like create a path and help disciple others into that place too. And, and give understanding of, of what is each, each of our part in that place of, not just our own personal devotional prayer life, but of that place of intercession, of, of positioning ourselves so that we will see the fullness of all of what is to be in this land come about. Bring it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Bring it. just rambled in a couple directions, hopefully. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. No, that, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, we're, we're, we're done with time. So how I would like us to wrap up each, uh, each time we're interviewing someone, I would love for you to take a, a moment and pray for our city to sure. wrap us up. Yeah. Father, I thank you um, that you love Portland, that you love the people who dwell in this place, that you have created um, each one 
appointed them for a particular time in history, for a particular geographical location to, to dwell in this land so that they would seek after you and find you. So Lord, we, um, yeah, we just want to declare your plans and your purposes over the Portland area. We ask for your church, Lord, to rise up in this season. Lord, we thank you that, that you have anointed uh, your people to proclaim good news to the poor, that you've sent them to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, even the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, that you will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, and an oil of joy, the oil of joy instead of mourning, that you will give a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair, and that here in the city there will be a people who are called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Father, I ask that you would help us to rebuild the ancient ruins and to restore the places long devastated, that you would come and help to renew the cities and uh, yeah, Lord, that you would bring healing and that you would bring provision, that you would bring the justice of your kingdom into this place. And we thank you that, that you are good, that you are good, and your mercy endures forever. So we trust in you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.